0: Shalom friends, you need a rabbi and this is Rabbi Evan Moffick here to give you some insight and to demystify the Torah, the ancient book of Jewish wisdom and insight and values and ethics in a way that can enrich your life. I want you to be able to listen to this podcast and summarize in one or two sentences or just a couple of phrases some important Change an insight for your life. How can this help you become a uh, better communicator, live with fewer regrets, make better decisions, have deeper relationships? That's what this podcast is for. And I know a lot of people find the Torah and the Old Testament intimidating. And I want to demystify it for you, give you some clarity and perspective. And we're going to do that every week. And we're going to start with this week's Torah reading. Now, in Jewish tradition, we read through the entire Torah, all five books of Moses, over one year. And there are 54 Torah portions. Occasionally, you double up. And this week's Torah reading is called Korach. Korach is the name of one of Moses' adversaries. Even though he's a cousin of Moses, he challenges Moses. They argue. And if we find one major insight from this week's tour portion, it is this. Good arguments lift us up. Bad arguments destroy us. Healthy arguments enrich our lives. Unhealthy arguments, negative arguments, destroy our lives. We all argue, we all disagree. But if those disagreements, can promote dialogue and understanding, they make our lives better. But if they don't, if they regress into simply power struggles, they can hurt us, they can depress us, they can make us miserable. So how do we tell the difference? Well, that's where we get with this week's tour portion. But let me just give you a little bit of kind of background as to why I started to think about this perspective. You know, when I meet with couples who are planning to get married, which I do a lot, uh, I ask them, tell me about your arguments. How do you argue? How often do you argue? When do you argue? What do you argue about? And usually they're pretty normal arguments. Ah, one person likes to shop a lot, another doesn't. Some person, you know, one person likes to go on really adventurous vacations. Uh, one likes to go camping, another doesn't really like to. They're a homebody or they prefer, you know, uh, hotels. You know, th- these, these are normal are normal differences that occasionally lead to arguments, uh, but that when you have a loving covenantal relationship, you get through them. Now occasionally I also, a couple will say, oh, we never argue. And while that I guess is theoretically possible, I think it's kind of dangerous because when couples never argue, I worry that one of them may be domineering the other and one of them may be passive and silent and that's not healthy. Uh, and then occasionally you get people who have really fundamental disagreements and in that case we have to go deeper and ask some other questions or uh, perhaps uh, look more closely at a relationship. Thankfully that doesn't happen too much but occasionally it does. So how do we distinguish good arguments from destructive arguments? Well this week's Torah portion gives us a destructive one. Now let me give you a little background. The the portion is called Korach because there's a man named Korach who is a first cousin of Moses. And along with two of his compatriots named Dantan and Aviram, they challenge Moses for leadership of the community. They say, Moses, you are too powerful. You are too arrogant. You are too controlling. You don't deserve to be the leader of the people. In fact, God made every person holy. God is in the midst of all the Israelites and you've arrogated all this power for yourself. And when you first read what they say it actually sounds kind of compelling. It sounds like they're prototypical um, uh, egalitarians. They're almost like the, the beginning of the American Revolution where we said to uh, the British, uh, we are all created equal. We're all, we're all one in God's eyes. And there shouldn't be kings and aristocrats and those who, who claim to be greater than, than the others. And you read that language and it kind of resonates with our American uh, commitment to democracy uh, and uh, uh, equal, uh, equality of opportunity. Uh, but if you go deeper, you begin to see that Korach and Dantan and Abiram did not really care about the people, they didn't really care About democracy. They simply cared about power. They didn't want Moses to step down because Moses was a bad leader. They wanted Moses to step down because they were jealous of Moses. They were angry that God chose Moses to lead the people and didn't choose them. And we're clear, we we know that because Korach came from the tribe of Levi. And the tribe of Levi Several members of the tribe of Levi were angry that God made them priests and priests couldn't own land and priests had to simply minister to the people. Now, priests had were sacred, priests had important responsibilities, but they weren't prophets. They didn't communicate directly with God, whereas Moses communicated directly with God. So Korach felt shunted. He felt that he was not given the, his proper role, given his lineage given his wealth. We know Kor, uh, Korah was a very rich man. Uh, so he was not after, he did not seek to be a great leader. He wasn't there to serve the people. He was there to serve himself. The same with Danton and Aviram. They came from the tribe of Reuben and if you remember Reuben is Jacob's firstborn son. And Reuben was supposed to be the inheritor of Jacob, of the, the leader of his people, the leader of the 12 tribes, because he was the oldest, the firstborn son. But Reuben was not chosen. Joseph, the youngest, was chosen. Then later Judah, became, uh, who was the fourth son, became uh, the, the leading tribe. Reuben was not, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But again, the descendants of Reuben felt that they were not given their rightful place. And instead, God chose this shepherd Moses, who didn't even was never even a slave. He grew up in Pharaoh's royal palace and then he lived in the in the wilderness of Midian and he married a Midianite woman. And yet God appoints him? That's not right. And so Korah and his band did not seek leadership for the sake of service. They weren't they they were after power for the sake of themselves. They were envious, they were jealous, they were angry. And that doesn't make for good leaders. It's kind of like if you've ever faced criticism for something and you ask yourself, where is the critic coming from? Is the critic there to help me, to help me become a better person? Or in my case, I remember uh, the first book I wrote, my editor ripped apart the first two chapters. I, I almost cried, I was so upset with with the circle and literally every sentence, uh, and pushing me to rewrite it, and yet the book became much stronger because of that criticism. That was constructive criticism. That was that was an ar- wasn't really an argument, but it was a challenge, not for the sake of power, but for the sake of service. He was serving me. He was teaching me. He was helping me grow. But I've also had people who criticize simply out of envy, or out of simply a dislike, or feeling threatened, or want more power for themselves. We've all probably had that. If you have somebody you work with who maybe they're, they're jealous of your success, maybe you landed a deal, or you uh, helped somebody out, uh, or, or, or you got an assignment that they wanted, whatever it is somebody and then they they lash out at you about something that has no relation to what they're really angry about. That's not a healthy disagreement. That's a challenge for the sake of power coming out of arrogance and envy and destruction. That's where Korach is coming from. And it's sometimes hard to distinguish the two but there's a gut feeling we get and there's a test that we can ask. And that test is, is captured in the Hebrew phrase, machlochet l'shem shamayim, which means arguments for the sake of heaven. And an argument for the sake of heaven has a couple of characteristics. One, it is in the pursuit of truth, not in the pursuit of power. And two, it honors the other side of an argument. When I was in high school, I did debate. And one of the things about debate is you flip a coin before the debate and the coin flip decides which side you're going to be on. So you need to be prepared to argue the affirmative side or the negative side. So you have to know both sides of an argument. And when you know both sides of an argument, you often have respect for the other side. You may disagree with it still, but at least you understand it. And people, Stephen Covey talked about this, seek first to understand when you understand where somebody's coming from, you have a built-in connection. That's an argument for the sake of heaven. But an argument for the sake of power is when you're in it for yourself. Maybe you even understand the other side, but your understanding is, is for the sake of manipulation, not for the sake of truth. So Korach and Moses, they argue for the sake, or Korach argues against Moses for the sake of power. The opposite is the relationship between Hillel and Shammai, who were two great first-century rabbis. They argued for the sake of truth, and they disagreed on everything. They disagreed on uh, uh, what was kosher and what was not kosher. They disagreed on the right way you, you hang a mezuzah. Should it be vertical, going up, or horizontal? Uh, they, they had these disagreements. A mezuzah, by the way, is a... Is a um, it's a box with a Hebrew text in it from the Torah that you put on the doorpost of your house. Hillel and Shammai argued over such things, and yet the text is clear that they never, it never became personal. They never, the, the, the Talmud even says, they still married one another from each family. They didn't, they, they always stayed connected, and the, and the opinion that was not pursued was always recorded. So they under, that, that's an indication they understood the other side's arguments. So, to step back and see what we can really learn from this. When we argue, when we disagree, ask, ask yourself, are you disagreeing simply because you just want to be right? You want to show that you really know? Or are you disagreeing because it's authentic, it's real, and you want to come up with a better solution. And sometimes, any any uh, one in a serious relationship, be it a, a good friend, or a marriage, or even with your kids, an argument may start off in the pursuit of truth, and yet we may get entrenched in our side, and then it becomes about power. So even when we realize we're wrong, we still stick with our argument because maybe we don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed. And I think this Torah portion is telling us to become aware of that and back off. To know that God doesn't desire us to simply argue for the sake of power. But God gives us independent minds and brains so that we can discern the truth. And we discern the truth through multiple perspectives. Uh, the, the, The Talmud, the great sages said that the Torah has 70 faces. So we can look and come up with different insights and understandings and perspectives, and we need to seek to understand the other side. It's not moral relativism, it's not that anything goes, it's that within the context of our tradition, within the context of a marriage, within the context of an organization, we can have disagreements and when we disagree respectfully and with honor, we can come up with the truth, we can come up with a way forward. Just imagine if we had that perspective in our country today. Just imagine if we could have honest disagreements that were not simply about politics and about winning the next election, but were about coming up with what's best for our country and our people and our organization. And we may disagree about what's best, of course we will, but if we honor the other side, If we try to work together, if we try to come up with compromise and perspective, think about how much stronger and happier we would be. This Torah portion is a model for how to live. How to live as individuals, how to live as families, how to live as a community. And the more we learn that, the more we can figure out how to argue for the sake of heaven and not for the sake of power, the happier we can be, the more productive we can be, the more satisfied and successful we can be. And I hope we can take that lesson into our lives, into our community, into our country. And I wish all of you shalom, peace, strength. Let's study, learn, and grow together. You need a rabbi. This is your rabbi, Evan Moffick. Shalom.